Good morning from New Zealand, bright and early on a Monday. Welcome to the Blind Podcasters Roundtable, live here on Clubhouse. And also, all being well, made available to you on the Blind Podmaker feed. We're going to be talking about podcast hosts today. I did publish an episode about this in the Blind Podcasters Roundtable feed that I did some time ago, but I thought it would be good to get a range of perspectives from people about hosting their podcast. So if you want to chime in right away and tell us how you're hosting your podcast, what has worked for you, maybe you've tried one podcast host and you went somewhere else because of a particular experience, whether that be the services that they did or didn't offer or accessibility, it will be good to get your perspective. So feel free to just raise your hand. We'll go to people in just a moment. Before we get there, though, just a couple of housekeeping matters, as they say. The first thing to tell you is that next week, we are going to be talking with Tim Cummings about the Zoom PodTrack P4. Before that, we will put the episode up in Mosin at Large that aired live yesterday on the Zoom PodTrack P4. This is a really cool gadget And while there are some challenges from an accessibility perspective, I think it's fair to say they're not insurmountable challenges. So if you're looking for a really cool gadget that you can take places, interview guests when that's possible where you are, multiple headphone jacks, you can do mix minus if you're recording in the studio, which is really exciting. And if you don't know what mix minus is, I know that Tim will explain all of that next week. But it's only a couple of hundred bucks US, and I'm just so impressed based on Tim's review that we heard yesterday and that I will put out as Mosin at Large, what are you up to, 115 later in the week, and then it will eventually make it to the blind uh, podcaster's feed. And finally, just before we get to uh, various uh, things to do with hosting your podcast, the blind podmaker email list is going great guns. So if you're not on there, if you're thinking about starting a podcast and you have a squillion questions, or you are a seasoned professional who doesn't mind helping other people out, that's always nice, then do feel free to join the email list and you can subscribe by sending a blank message to creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com. That's creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com. And I did want to briefly just come back to something that Dominique said last week regarding recording Zoom on a Mac and all sorts of verbiage that was coming through. And my initial thought on that was that you could use Audio Hijack Pro to uh, exclude voiceover speech, but still hear it in your headphones. We did have a post on that creator's email group in response to that, saying that actually Zoom is doing its own speech. And so it may be that the speech is coming from Zoom itself. You can turn those off in preferences in the Mac. So that's just something to be aware of for those who are recording uh, with Zoom in the Mac. I would recommend, though, that you look at better remote recording solutions than Zoom in terms of audio quality. One that is free for basic use is CleanFeed, which is cleanfeed.net, and it will do a much better job for you in a podcast context than Zoom. So let's get on to the topic I thought we could talk about today. There are so many things to get set up when it comes to hosting a podcast. You've got to get your recording sorted out, all those things. What microphone will you use? What software will you record with? And then, of course, the big question is, well, how do I distribute my masterpiece to the world? And for that, most people choose to use some sort of professional podcast host. There is a hybrid approach you can take where if you are proficient in WordPress, 
You can host your podcast with the help of some plugins that integrate podcast hosting with WordPress. So that's an option that maybe some people will explore who contribute today. But there are many ways to go with the podcast hosting thing. You could go with a kind of what I would think of as a turnkey solution like Anchor, which is run by Spotify these days, where they do a lot of things for you. I don't know how accessibility is with Anchor these days, and maybe we can get some people talking about that, but it's free and a lot of people like it for that reason. You can interview guests from within Anchor itself, so that's all very nice. Spreaker is a similar platform that some people use, and that's been around for a very long time. Uh, but you will need some sort of podcast host because a lot of people think that by putting an MP3 file up somewhere, you are creating a podcast that's not what you're doing. You're putting an MP3 up somewhere for people to download. To be podcasting, you need to have an RSS feed. You might not need to know about that RSS feed, but you will need an RSS feed so that podcast clients like Apple Podcasts and Castro and Overcast can subscribe to it and get the podcast to you. And if you do really well at this podcasting malarkey, then it may be that that's going to take up a lot of bandwidth as people download your files. So hosting your podcast on a generic web hosting platform may get you banned from that web hosting platform. You might want to check your terms and conditions. So let's go to some contributors on this. And first up, we're going to talk to Matthew Horsbill in the sunny UK. Well, actually, I hear it's the chilly UK. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Jonathan. It's not too chilly today. It's hmm. um, it, it's been chillier than today. Good, good. So, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this podcasting hosting gig? Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm going to be the controversial one that comes in with a, a question or an observation or or something. Um, we are actually doing exactly what you said not to do. We we're running a WordPress installation. Um, which has a plugin called Seriously Simple Podcasting, which is dealing with all of our RSS feeds and stuff like that. Um, we self-host the MP3 files. But what I then did was set it up so that the WP content directory and various other parts of the website, but the WP content directory in particular, is being pushed through Cloudflare and using Cloudflare's CDN uh, so that the bandwidth usage on the web host is not very high. And we've got seriously simple stats, so that's telling us uh, it, the, the way that the stats forwarding work. That's not going through Cloudflare, so we've still got statistics working, and we're getting about 200 listeners over a week. And for us, that's working very well. Uh, so I just wondered uh, why it was that that shouldn't work, and uh, you know, would there be a compelling reason to have a podcast host in that sort of scenario? I don't think so. I mean, obviously, there's a high level of geek factor there, and you've got the geek creds to make that work. But you're obviously dealing with the principal objection from many hosts, which would be the amount of bandwidth that can be consumed if you get a really popular podcast. So if you were starting to get many thousands of downloads, then it's possible that if you weren't channeling through Cloud, Cloudflare that the web host you're using could get a bit upset about that. But since you are doing all those things, then that seems to me like a perfectly appropriate solution. The barrier to entry to get that done would be quite high for many people who perhaps don't want to tinker with that stuff. And I guess that's one of the key advantages of a podcast host, isn't it, that they kind of offer that turnkey solution? Yeah, that's true. Although um, maybe with a few 
tutorials and stuff. I mean, look, the, the barrier to entry is as high as you make it with this sort of stuff. If you want to actually understand what it is that you're doing, then the barrier to entry is quite high. And I suppose to a certain extent, you need to understand what you're doing in order to make it happen. But actually, the Cloudflare interface is accessible. Um, whether your name, you know, whether your domain name uh, provider is accessible is another matter. But you know, once you've got it pointed over at Cloudflare, actually doing what you want, you know, if you follow the steps in a tutorial or something, it wouldn't be that difficult, I wouldn't think. No, I suppose not. But I guess I talk to a lot of people on this topic, and many people are just struggling to record their first episode. So if you are faced with, okay, how do I even get my first episode produced? What mic do I use? What software do I use? How do I use that software? And then you're starting to mess around with WordPress and various other things. Then it's going to be so daunting for a lot of people who just don't feel that these things are intuitive that they will give up. Whereas if you look at something like Anchor, where you can download an app, run the app, record and publish, then obviously it makes the podcasting thing a whole lot more accessible to a whole lot more. And and by accessible, I mean um, friendly, user-friendly to a whole lot more people. Yeah. Mm. yeah, no, I can certainly see that. And I can see the appeal of a podcast host. Um, I, I just wondered if I was missing something. No, I don't think. And especially if you're getting a few hundred listens, uh, it, it seems perfectly sustainable. But even then, I think that would scale. Because if you're using Cloudflare, I, I don't see why that wouldn't scale quite considerably. No, it does seem to. Well, we haven't had any complaints yet anyway. So No, but that's we'll all right. Keep, you know, sometimes yeah, just go we'll just keep doing what we do until somebody complains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> many people, many a person have said that. So did you look at other options or did you just decide to go straight um, to, to that approach? Well, right. So I'm in a, a slightly different position uh, to a lot of podcasters in that um, I inherited the podcast from somebody else and I'm producing it um, – on behalf of, I'm, I'm trying very hard not to name the podcasting. Well, go ahead, that's fine. I'm, I'm do, so it's Brailcast on behalf of the Brailists Foundation. Mm -hmm. So I inherited it from uh, from somebody else and basically inherited the setup that I got and it was working and I didn't really see any need to change it, but it wasn't me that did the original research. So I've no idea how much research went in in the early days to try and work out you know, what would be the best option. Mm. Mm. It's good that that's working for you. And I know that there is another one. Uh, I think I reviewed it briefly in that uh, review of podcast hosts where it's it's kind of based on WordPress, a hybrid thing of WordPress. And that the big advantage of doing that is that you have a lot of control. You know, WordPress is really flexible. Some podcast hosts do give you a kind of middle ground. I know that Pinecast, which is what I'm using at the moment, has a WordPress plugin. So when I publish a new episode, for example, it has a WordPress plugin that's monitoring that RSS feed for new episodes, and it will push those episodes to a WordPress website. So that's a kind of a nice approach. Yeah, and it's especially nice because it means you can integrate it with the rest of the website if there was another, you know, if there was a rest of a website to integrate it in with, um, you could do that. And that's why I'd like to stick with some sort of WordPress solution. Um, yeah. I mean, the solution that I've got is working, but if you'd have said it wasn't, I'd have still been looking for something that was WordPress integratable. Yes. No, it sounds like you've got it sussed. And the key issue is that bandwidth consumption, which you've addressed by channeling everything through Cloudflare. So it sounds like an elegant solution. It might be sort of out of the comfort zone of many, but it works for you. And it sounds like it's got rid of the, the key pitfall there. Yeah, it seems to have done. Let's talk to Shay, who's on the stage now. Hi, Shay. Yeah, I use uh, Libsyn. I think I'm pronouncing that right, L-I-B. 
S-Y-N, short for uh, Liberated Syndication. And I actually started my podcast uh, the day before I found out about all the stuff you've been doing and the, the list and all. Had I uh, tuned into that a day sooner, I think I would have gone with um, Pinecast. Isn't that the one you were suggesting? Yeah, I really like Pinecast myself. Yeah, and I, I've been on Libsyn. Libsyn was my very, very first podcast host in about 2004. And so they've been around a while. Yeah, um, I like uh, Libsyn a good bit. It is pretty accessible. Um, the setup took a little bit of, of experimentation and poking around like all of these uh, mainstream websites tend to, but uh, it's not bad at all. And then once I got it pretty much figured out, I can get an episode uploaded and published and everything in less than five minutes total, I'd, I'd say at this point. How much are you paying for Libsyn every month and what's it doing for you? Um, right now I'm trying to get a few episodes of my podcast up there before I really start trying to market it much. Um, so I'm not having to pay much at all. I, I'm not using, I, I'm sorry, the, uh, the package I've got is $5 a month American. And, uh, I get, I believe it's 50 megabytes of space, uh, for that per month. So, uh, it's, if, if the podcast takes off at all, I will have to expand. I think they've got, a $20 package uh, that, that gives you a lot more bandwidth than that. Yes. So the way that Libsyn works, for those not familiar with Libsyn, is that they charge you based on what data you are storing on a monthly basis. So it's different from some which charge you based on how many people are downloading your podcast. So you could have hundreds of thousands of downloads every month and still pay the flat fee because it's all based on how much data you're storing every month. You can buy additional data if you want, if you want to do an extra episode, but it's really clear in that regard. The one thing that caused me to move is that episodes of my podcast, uh, I was publishing so many and some of them are two hours long that I was regularly going over my 400, I believe it is, megabytes a month that the $20 package buys you. So I was having to actually pay more to Libsyn to publish my episodes. And I kind of thought this is a bit crazy. I didn't want to go to the next level. So I looked at other options and that's how I came to Pinecast. But their support is fantastic. Have you had calls to contact their support yet? No, I'm not. I've uh, fortunately been able to look up everything I've, I've needed, but that was one driving force in, in me kind of second guessing what I had done because you had such a glowing review of, of how open they were to not only general support, but to accessibility in particular. And I always, as much as I can, try to support mainstream companies that, you know, that are tuned into the accessibility needs of their clients out there. They're, they seem to be getting more and more rare in some fields. Yeah, the trouble with this technology thing is that things change so quickly. And, you know, somebody listens to a podcast I did two years ago and said, but you said that this, yeah, things move on. And um, Libsyn has just gone beta with version five of their user interface. I haven't tried this, but they do tell me that they have spent a lot of time on improving accessibility even further. And I think Libsyn's definitely usable. It's always been pretty usable, but they say that version five, which is you can you can opt to use it now. It's not an official production yet. That version five is even better from an accessibility point of view than their, their current one. Yeah, I keep seeing them prompting for uh, 
would you like to try five? But uh, I, I didn't realize that they had actually particularly focused on accessibility for that. So I will uh, definitely check that out and report back uh, what I find to the, to the list. That That would be really interesting. And actually, I do another podcast for the company I'm chief executive of, and we are still hosting on Libsyn. So next time I publish an episode there, which should be in the next week or so, I will try it too and report back. The one thing that's interesting is I have noticed it could just be where I'm located in the world, but uploads to Libsyn are much, much slower for me than uploads to Pinecast. And I've got a gigabit a fiber connection here, and I've really noticed this. So I don't know whether you've had pause to, to to look at how long your uploads take. Well, my episodes are um, they're educational episodes for the most part, and they tend to be ten or fifteen minutes. Right. So I just hit the upload thing and do something else, check back, and boom, they're up there. So I, yeah, if it was two hours or more, I'm sure. I would <laughs> See, that's really cool because for what you are doing then with ten to fifteen minute educational episodes. Libsyn's $5 a month plan is ideal because, you know, you're getting really professional hosting, outstanding support. Everybody knows about Libsyn. They've got this concept called destinations that make it really easy for you to get listed on services like Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio and um, Spotify. And it's it's really seamless. And so that's $5 well spent, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And um I'm going to be doing interviews uh, later on, which will be much longer. So it's just nice. I can just ramp up, you know, as needed with, with Lipson from what I can tell. So that, that should be fairly uh, painless. Good on you. Well, let us know how you get on with the, the beta. That would be interesting. And I appreciate your thoughts on that. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Have Take a good care. one. All right. And we'll talk to Adrian next. Hi, Adrian. I think I tried plenty of podcast uh, hosting services. I've got three different podcast channels, one in English, two in Romanian, and um, also I'm working for a charity, running a podcast also, so that one is the fourth one. And I've changed some uh, services as well along uh, my uh, podcaster career. I think I'm doing podcasting for for about five years, I think, now. Right. And what are you using at the moment then? Um, I'm using Blueberry for the English one, which I really love because once it's set up there, uh, the only thing what I have is to go in my WordPress admin and using the PowerPress plugin, just browse the audio file. And that's it. You know, the article is the show notes and the episode is live like any other blog article. So that is one. Um, I have also uh, another one on Libsyn, which I like in one way and I, I dislike in many other ways. <laughs> I think the interface of the Libsyn is quite cluttered. It's quite, I don't know, old fashioned. Is I really don't like at all the interface of Libsyn. And um, I remember one of incident what, what I had years ago, I don't know, three years ago, probably when they had uh, more serious accessibility issues, I couldn't update the billing details on the website. Doesn't matter what browser or screen reader I tried, I was not able to um, update billing details without cited help, which is a pain. 
right, so that is the second one. I've, I have another one, another Romanian one with um, bus sprouts, mm. which I really like the interface. It's a clean interface, straightforward, no hassle, no buzzle, no uh, lots of uh, ads and uh, you know extra services. For example, in Podbean, it's awful in terms of uh, blocks and things jumping, you know, in front of your work and um, yeah. So uh, I I really love uh, Buzzsprout from uh, this point of view, and also what I like from Buzzsprout, they have a very interesting approach when it's about. Uh, having new customers they send regular emails they you know they uh, congratulate you for the i don't know from the 20th <laughs> episode or 100 download anniversary or this kind of things they so it's really cool from this point of view and um, they send me also stats every week to um, let me know how i'm sitting on as well blueberry no Libsyn, I'm afraid. I think for Libsyn, I have to have the the highest pack to have stats sent on email. And uh, for the charity one, I use Podbin. Podbin, which I think is the one which I not like at all, I'm afraid. And I think it was in December when I had problems with the accessibility. Probably was the time when the accessibility was jumping in or whatever happened, but was one day, because with that charity I have to post every first of the month, I couldn't uh, uh, do the work there because every time when I was trying to log in, I was rejected, just loading, 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 and nothing came up on the screen. So finally, I had again to appeal for a sighted help to to post the episode. As long as the screen, screen, there was, uh, screen reader was off, no problems. So that was happened, I think, in December or November 2020. Right. So that's probably when they turned accessibility on, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So that is Podbin. Um, I when I emailed them, and I think also I emailed them not very long after I joined at Podbin for the first time, and uh, also the answers which I received from the customer service were kind of scripted dancers, nothing, you know, at the point which I was asking for. Uh, so when I said, well, this is the point, doesn't matter what you can do or n- not do for me, or they even uh, try to, you know, to give me some extra benefits or whatever. I said, no, I'm not looking to have extra benefits. I have, you know, I need to have this problem sorted out. So um, it was clear I was talking to people who had no idea about the screen accessibility on that point. So that happened in, uh, I think, August of September 2019. But you're still with uh, them. You, you haven't switched hosts at this point. No, because it was, this, it was the decision of the charity to remain oh, with okay. them. They paid for a year. Yes. Yeah, But if oh. I'll be to choose them again, I'll not, certainly. There's some really good stuff in here. So if I can comment on Podbean, I did use them for a while. And like you, I found their tech support left a lot to be desired. I'm not sure whether at that stage, uh, English was the first language of some of the tech support people that I was dealing with. So there were some barriers there. Um, There were less than optimal accessibility uh, interface issues there as well. 
but the price is right. I, I think you can still pay a reasonable fee and get their flat rate pricing where you can basically upload as many episodes yes. as you like for as long as you like. And if you pay a year in advance, it's actually quite cheap. But sometimes you do get what you pay for. The other big advantage that Podbean has at the moment is that they are really pushing hard the idea of live streaming your podcast as well as putting it up there for a podcast client. So if you don't have the advantage of, say, an internet radio infrastructure, or you don't want to go on YouTube and Facebook or whatever uh, using something like StreamYard, you can stream your podcast live on Podbean, yeah. and then it shows up in the Podbean app. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit lukewarm on them like you are. Um, going back and to Buzzsprout, they are very interesting. I Even if you don't host with them, I really recommend that people check out their YouTube tutorials and some of the info that they're publishing into the community because it's very good quality stuff. The reason why I ruled Buzzsprout out is because on my podcast, no, no, yeah, we use yeah. yeah we use Jam uh, jingles and I paid a lot of money for them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> when you when you upload your episodes, they transcode your audio down to mono, and I do not want any podcast host that touches my audio. And I just wondered what you thought about that and whether you find it a problem. Well, it was not a problem for me because, um, you know, mainly that uh, podcast is much in monologue, so it was not a problem from that point of view. Um, I think they try they try to help in one way, um, and I podcast are doing that because they keep those standards, you know, following the Apple rules for podcasting and these kind of things, you know, to try to put uh, also to keep the size of the files probably a bit less. And That's right, yeah. I don't know what, what, what reasons they have that, but for sure they have good reasons to keep that, that thing on. And um, in the end of the day, the most of the people are listening podcasts in headphones, in phones, in cheap speakers, in cars. Yeah, well, that's right. So they, they are not uh, hunting for high fidelity. If you no, want high you're fidelity, right. you know, it's yes. something else. It, it, and, it is a fair uh, comment. Although a lot of people yeah. do listen to podcasts on AirPods and that sort of thing. And so I kind of think, well, if I've yeah. got these nice jingles, I don't want them to be squished down to mono. Um, but yeah. the other thing that Buzzsprout does that is very cool is they've got a license from Orphonic and they have this thing they call Magic Mastering, which I think is an extra thing you have to pay for. But Orphonic is a wonderful tool for making your audio sound pristine and evenly leveled and well EQ'd and noise reduced. And it's really, really brilliant. I, I just can't I used recommend it years ago, but not yeah. now. But yeah. I think now I've got plenty of equipment here to make the you know the sound to you know to be okay without too much post production. But in the beginning, I was using Ophonic quite a lot, I, I would say. And I think for the lip scene, if you, uh, if you have struggled with, you know, loading up large files, you can set up a kind of, um, I don't know, you can link a Dropbox account or you can... Yes, um, you can do FTP, FTP, Dropbox, a whole yeah, lot of things. Yeah, 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 this kind yeah. of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Audio um, Boom, I use, use that as well. Mm-hmm. I think in 2018 also I did a daily podcast, if you can't believe it, 365 of episodes I was loading. Whoa. Crazy. It was a hard year. Audio Boom was my um, <laughs> selection for that year. <laughs> and uh, Audio Boom was quite good, I would say, nine, £9 pounds per, per month. Um, quite everything unlimited, I think. Um 
again, what I didn't like too much there, uh, there's not much clarity in terms of uh, stats and um, only on the website you, you had the chance to, you know, to, to see the stats. And uh, also they had players, uh, what you had to put uh, on your set, uh, website, quite straightforward how they were. And I don't know, altogether was cheap, but not very, um, I don't know, promising in terms of other stuff around the hosting, you know. And um, also the um, dialogue which I had with uh, Audio Boom also was quite slow, I think, with the customer service. One, one point which I had on that time, for example, they had no Romanian languages. When I, try, I was trying to set up my feed in Audio Boom, they, they had no Romanian language in, in the drop-down list with the languages. In what language is your podcast? <laughs> oh, right, yeah. I I'd forgotten about them. They've, yeah. they've reinvented themselves over the years. Originally, they were kind of like the social media audio platform, and a lot of blind people yeah. were using it, and now they've just become another Our podcast. Host. use them still. Yeah, okay. Now, right. I, I did want to agree with you also about a couple of your Libsyn comments. Um, when I switched from Libsyn to Pinecast, I actually thought I must be missing a few steps because <laughs> uploading – uh, podcasts to Pinecast is so much less convoluted than doing it with Libsyn, which has like about a five-step process that you have to go through screen after screen to upload your yeah. podcast. And the other thing that is doable with Libsyn, but to me not screen reader intuitive, with the rider that I have not tried their version five yet, was scheduling one. Sometimes you do want to upload your episodes in advance, but not publish them until a particular time, and I found that a bit of a headache. Blueberry interests me. I've looked at them over the years, and I've been really close to pushing the button and never have. So what do you see as some of the key advantages of hosting with Blueberry? So Blueberry, uh, again, is sending me... I didn't have the, the most expensive uh, package there. I think I have not probably the cheapest, the next one. Uh, I do not publish too much with that one. You know, I don't need extra um, uh, storage or extra uh, bandwidth because I haven't got thousands of dollars there. So it's okay that pack for me. So I receive I receive uh, weekly stats on email. So don't need to go on the dashboard anymore. Um, they send me all sorts of things about podcasting time to time as well, which I enjoy reading or watching or whatever. And the point is, I can put the MP3 straight into the WordPress website, as I said. Mm. This is the, the point, the main point, you know. I don't need to touch the messy interface of Podbean or other, <laughs> uh, yes. you know, hosts. I do that just like, you know, publishing a, a blog article in a school. It's really cool. And um, uh, so... I think there's no other platform, uh, you know, that easy peasy to, to put the audio file. You know, um, the uh, PowerPress also is accessible. It's just a matter of browse the file, uh, just a regular browse dialogue, you know. And when you load it, the um, MP3 file is going straight into your account. You have a button there underneath press verify. And there you can see the size of the file, the time, the description, meta tags. You can add extra if you feel you need to add some extra details in there. And just, you know, very handy, very handy. There's no other easier 
service for me. With Lipsyn, uh, all right. I think even with Lipsyn is okay because I and Lipsyn actually I'm going to make only um, upload for do download only. I choose that button. You know, I'm going there, add new content. I click upload, uh, add new file for download only. As the upload is done after I browse the file and then I copy the link there. I'm going in the website again in PowerPress and, and I paste the link there and that's it. Yes. One thing that we should also comment on too is that some of the different price points will have differing levels of statistics. And as your yes. podcast grows, it's fascinating to look at the stats. I mean, I love to look at how many countries, I think it was like a hundred and something countries that people listen to yeah. my podcast on at the moment, what they're listening with. So if you add up all the different podcast players, I can see that most people listen to my principal podcast on the iPhone, but the single most popular podcast player is still the Victor Reader Stream. The iPhone world gets div divided up, the vast majority using Apple Podcasts, and then you have Overcast and Pocketcast and Castro. Uh, those, you know, it, it's, it's Apple Podcasts. And iPhone was the most used. Yeah. iPhone was the most used in my case. Oh, yeah. All over the stats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I love looking at that stuff and seeing where people yeah. are listening from and what yeah. they're listening with. With Podbean also, which I don't like, for example, if I take from Podbean an embed code to put in on my website with a player for an episode, they have no um, code for uh, displaying the podcast uh, chapters. With right. Buzzsprout, I have. So if I take an embed code from the uh, Buzzsprout and I paste it in the website, I have chapters displaying the web browser there. You can't believe it. <laughs> if someone yeah. is is trying to listen from the browser, there is it. Chapter's there. And I was asking Podbin, can you? Oh, we'll take this in consideration for future development, but nothing until now. Yeah. And, no, uh, if, if the motto thing doesn't bother people, then Buzzsprout is worth a serious look. It's, uh, yeah. and, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's very, very good indeed. And also what is annoying me in Podbin, if I'll receive, for example, a link... Uh, for Podbean, the most cases I have, the first uh, option is to open it in Podbean app. When I'm going in Podbean app, they have loads and lots of ads until I hit, I'll hit the player to, uh, you know, to play that episode. It's difficult to find the RSS feed in the Podbean app. I mean, for the iPhone um, um, app. I, I was trying to follow a podcaster, for example. He was not very, I don't know. I can say, but he was just taking the Podbean URL, pasted it as a flat line in the uh, uh, blog article, and that's it. Mm. <laughs> no player, no, you know. And when I was clicking on that link, always was opening with the Podbean app, which is, is a nightmare to listen into it. So um, I was figuring, I was trying to copy the RSS feed, you know, to put in my overcast to, to listen in there. I think even the podcast is not very well indexed in, in podcast um, directories or whatever happened. But, you know, uh, he was the one who, you know, took things simple, uh, that guy I mean. Uh, probably the, you know, the index of the podcast was not very well done. And I was ending and leaving the podcast because he was hosting with Podbean. Right, okay. <laughs> 
that's a very informative contribution, Adrian. I really appreciate that. And like me, it oh, sounds like you've had a play with a few of these things. So thank you very yeah. much for that. All right, let's talk to Jesse, who's been waiting a while. Hi, Jesse. Hello. Uh, I won't take up too much of your time, but uh, I had kind of, uh, I played with Libsyn a few years ago. And I know one thing that I was actually looking pretty seriously into doing was that if you pay for uh, uh, this really high plan and pay for some extra, you could have them create you, I, I assume, a very basic uh, app that people could download to access your podcast. And I got almost as far as doing it, um, but then I couldn't find someone to design me a, uh, you know, the artwork that you need for the app. And I was just wondering if anyone... Or if you, Jonathan, had played with that, or if you knew about the accessibility of any app that might come out of it, or whether that would actually be helpful to anyone here. Yes, I have tried this, uh, Jesse. And for those who would like to, I would encourage people to download one of the apps that already exist. One of them is The Feed, which is Libsyn's official podcast. Another one I know of is uh, one that Rob Walsh from Libsyn hosts called Today in iOS. And in my view, they don't cut the mustard in terms of accessibility. I'm not saying they're completely unusable, but what I am saying is that when I looked at these apps and I thought, you know, I've got a very wide range of users, some of whom really struggle with this technology. You know, it's it's an effort. And there are buttons that aren't clearly labeled. They They have graphics where you can sort of know what they are based on the funny name of the graphic but they're not proper text labels. And when I wrote to Libsyn about this and said, guys, you know, the apps really aren't quite there in terms of uh, an accessibility standard that I would find acceptable, they just wrote back and said, oh, what other blind people are using them? So, you know, basically go away. And I thought that was very unacceptable. So I, you know, there, there will be blind people who can use those apps, but there will be also a lot of blind people who cannot. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. And I'm glad that I didn't go through with it because uh, I didn't really know at the time what apps I would find that had been done this way. Uh, but I knew that the process to put one together seemed semi-accessible. Uh, so it's a good thing, I guess, that I didn't uh, go ahead and do that because it sounds like I would have regretted it. And uh, I was just curious about it, and I'm glad you had some yeah. more info on it. The other thing they had going for a while, which was very nice, was that you could get a soup drinker skill. And that was really cool. And I got one of those for the Blindside podcast. And it's still up there, actually. I can't get it withdrawn. But then they stopped. And so I wanted to get mine modified. And I wanted to get a new one for the company podcast I do. And they seem to have stopped doing those now. Uh, but these days, with the integration of Apple Music and um, Spotify and all those things, it's not such a big deal anymore. But yeah, they were doing that as well. But yeah. I really would like to hope that they might improve the accessibility of those custom-made apps that they are doing. Yeah, uh, that would be... It's a shame that they're they're choosing not to. And I guess maybe that kind of comes into a, a person's decision whether to get it or not, that attitude about accessibility when it came to that. Yeah, I, I, I am a bit disappointed. I mean, I think the trouble is that Libsyn is so huge that when you've got, I mean, even a very successful in the blindness context that might get, say, several thousand listens a week, even those podcasts just don't 
compete with some of the really big ones that they are hosting. So when you try and raise an issue, it goes under the radar. On the other hand, what I've found is that you know, one of the risks of going with Pinecast, which I am at the moment, is that it is a one-person shop. And I remember when I interviewed the guy who runs it, I said, well, what happens if you get run over by a bus kind of thing? But the good thing about it is that if I find an accessibility issue or have a suggestion, I can email him. He does respond really quickly and you don't always get what you want. But I've found that I've had a lot more progress with Pinecast than I ever had with Libsyn. Um, and he really seems to care about accessibility. He's just come out actually with a new update to their WordPress plugin, which has specifically addressed the user interface um, from an accessibility point of view. That's awesome. And thanks to you, I think when I look to host my own podcast, I'm going to be looking to Pinecast. I liked uh, Matt's uh, passion and in the interview, and I liked everything you had to say about it. And uh, thanks for the pod maker and for uh, giving me some of your time. Good luck. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Michael Babcock is up next time, Michael. I am using Pinecast thanks to your recommendation back in September. I tried Libsyn. Actually, I used Libsyn from 2015 to 2017. Uh, switched over to Blueberry from 2017 through 2020, and I still pay Blueberry monthly for their analytics. Um, I probably will cancel that because I do like the way that Pinecast stats do show up. Um, but I just want to throw that out there and and let people know that all three of them are viable, but what works best for you is is going to depend on your needs. For my opinion, uh, Pinecast has the cleanest interface, and and I think the fact that I can go in there and schedule a post and not have to fiddle around with a date picker is probably my favoriteest feature. Yeah, it makes a big difference, doesn't it, to know that you can just publish in advance without all sorts of – I mean, it's just an edit field. You just you yeah. just modify the date in the edit field. Yep, and, and then – Lastly, uh, they're using Intercom, which is a a, a interesting uh, chat platform slash ticketing platform. Uh, but what's really nice about it for the end user is you can just drop a message to uh, Pinecast, and uh, I think his name is Matt, correct? That's right, yes. Matt Bass. Yeah. So you can just mm-hmm. drop Matt a message, and if he's online, then he can chat back to you, and you'll get an instant message back, and that process is very accessible. But if he's not, then it will automatically create a ticket, and you'll receive a response via email when he does have time to get back to you. And and that support right there, because you know you're going to receive the consistent support and the consistent care for accessibility is what's keeping kept me with Pinecast, and I have no problem when that bill comes out of my account every month. Yeah, now there are a couple of things on my wish list, and I wonder what you think about these. One is that the more episodes I publish in my current series, the more I get people who are emailing in about things we've already extensively covered. And what I have to tell them to do at the moment is to go into Google and type what they're looking for, followed by site colon, and then the website name of my podcast website, which is tedious. And what I would really like to have added is on the Pinecast web pages that get created to have just a simple search thing where you can search the episodes and and the show note results will come up. And that's not there. The other thing that I really would like, which just takes a bit of time, is the automatic publishing of episodes to social media, just a link to the episodes, which Libsyn does very well. So I've kind of gotten around that. Uh, what I do is I don't use the self-hosted web pages from Pinecast. I host my 
podcast on Pinecast. I grab the URL. That's a tongue twister. Grab the URL to the uh, file directly that Pinecast gives you right there. No hunting around for that, which is super nice. And then I drop that into PowerPress on WordPress. And so I can use Relevancy, which is my search engine plugin of choice. So people, if they want to find content that Demasi and I have talked about in the past, they can just go type in a keyword and it'll pop up the word uh, the WordPress post that has that keyword in the show notes. Uh, I have, and I'm glad to hear that he's upgrade, updated the uh, plugin because I've have played around with uh, the podcast or the Pinecast plugin for WordPress to automate some of that. So I'm I'm interested to play with that a little, and then. A few of us have worked together with a uh, plugin developer to add the download button below the player because that is important for some listeners. Uh, And the Pinecast player did not give that in the past. I don't know if the updated version does, but that's my workflow and how I get around that. And you're right, a search to the podcast page for people who are using that as their host uh, would be definitely useful. There is also a really cool service, apparently, that a lot of podcast people I respect are now using called PodPage, but I haven't checked that out to find out whether it's accessible or not. PodPage, huh? I just jotted yeah. that down. And so that. It, it's basically, you, you probably wouldn't want to use it, and I might not want to use it either, because it's really, I think, designed for people who don't want to get their hands dirty with WordPress and that kind of stuff. But the idea is that you can go in there and you can build a really kick butt podcast website and there's a whole lot of features there specifically designed for the podcaster i did hear one interview with the guy who runs it and it's a one guy shop again who did talk about accessibility a bit so it makes me think he's aware of it and that it might be accessible but i've had no calls to try that one last thing I want to mention, and then I'm sure you have other people who, who want to come up on stage, is the reason I put all of my show notes in um, and I like to have my sh- my podcast host on my own WordPress site is because I own that. That is, well, I own it to as much as you can because, I mean, mm. technically you're only renting your domain name for up to 10 years at a time. But that's besides the point. As much as I can, I own that platform. So I, if I want to go ahead and change uh, as the this adventure has taken me along. My domain name has not changed since 2014, but my podcast host has changed three different times. And I have the control of, of keeping that consistent look to allow people to, to take a look at it. And yes, I could host my files on my own web server and do it that way. But the problem that run that people run into with that and why I don't recommend that is uh, my co-host Demasi gave a great analogy and he heard it somewhere else. It's like you're living in an apartment complex and you know, if a lot of stuff starts flowing out of the pipes, something might get clogged up and I don't want someone to try to go to my website when 30 other people are downloading the podcast at the same time and them not be able to browse my website and that's why i host things off-site with pinecast yes yeah absolutely uh, or go through all the jiggery pokery that matthew was doing and and <laughs> put it through through cloudflare that kind of stuff so yeah jonathan could i could i ask a relevant question uh, for both you and mike's is a quick one sure um if one wanted to to move from uh Lipson to pinecast how, how involved of a process might that be you do have a process on Libsyn where you can ask them to set you up with a 301 redirect, and this is an automated process. So a 301 redirect essentially means that 
when somebody next runs their podcast app and it retrieves the latest episodes, it goes to your old feed and it's kind of like you've gone to the post office and submitted a change of address form. So the old feed will say, oh, this podcast doesn't live here anymore, but I'll redirect you to where it lives now. And it will automatically send the customer to the Pinecast feed and update that permanently. So it's uh, something that you can set up without even having to contact Libsyn support. Really easy to move. You will need to also import your episodes uh, into Pinecast. And that was really quick for me. I did it with a feed that had a couple of hundred, I think, episodes and it just was so quick. They all imported. And then uh, Matt from Pinecast needs to add something in the Pinecast feed. But it's done really simply. So it's doable. It's not the stressful thing a lot of people think it is. Okay, great. Thanks, sir. A pleasure. Let's talk to Gino J. Hi, Gino. I was going to just mention something about Spreaker that I um, also found very interesting uh, about them was that you guys can actually do live shows with them, I yes. think, as well. Yes, you can. It, and it's based on Icecast, I think. Yes. Yes. Um, I wound up uh, discovering them by accident, really, um, because what really got me interested into them was that when um, everybody was starting to use Spreaker, I, I opted not to go for the pro and whatnot. Well, when they uh, messed up one of my... Because they have this, I don't know if they still do it because I haven't been with them since, but um, when they used to uh, process your archive, more or less, uh, when you uploaded it, um, they wound up giving an error, or I wound up getting an error, and they gave me their live feed for a few months to try anyway, uh, because it was early on for them, and I think they just had the accounts to give away and whatnot, but... Um, I discovered that, you know, I mean, even that interface that they had, that web interface that they had at the time was actually fairly usable. Um, but, I mean, I think not too many people would go for it anymore, though, personally. But, I mean, that's just me. I think they're kind of out of date a little bit. Really? Um, y yeah, I, I, I just... I don't know too many. I don't know too many podcasts that are hosted on Spreaker anymore. See, it's interesting you say this because so I'm using Castro as my iOS app, but recently they have had a big problem and they have now acknowledged it publicly. So I feel okay about talking about it because I've been working with them privately on this, where some of their feeds are taking an age to refresh, and that's a bit of a big deal when you're a podcast client. <laughs> uh, so I have had to download Overcast again. And it's just such a, oh, God, I feel like I've gone back into the dark ages going back to Overcast briefly. But one of the interesting things since I last used Overcast is that you can see really easily with Overcast uh, by going to that little privacy button they now have, which is a great feature, who's hosting the podcast. And I was quite interested to see that one of our major networks here in New Zealand has switched, has actually just switched to Spreaker to host all of their podcasts with them. And I was very surprised that they did that. Maybe it's because they can do it live, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, but since then, I, I stopped using them and I started using um, PowerPress and um, Blueberry with, with the two combination anyway because um, for the most part, it, it works good. I, I haven't done any recent podcasts in a couple of years though, so I can't. Um, I, I more or less came up to kind of um, 
spill my beans about uh, Spreaker that I had with them anyway. But yeah, um, yeah. Now that's that's you. I, I, and and the thing is, is for me, one of the one of the uh, disadvantages that I that I really didn't like with Spreaker was that if you had because they were you know um, an environment for you know just not uh, not just podcasts. The one thing they do have, at least on the Spreaker side anyway, um, and I don't know how this or if it's changed in the last four or five years since I've used them, but they did have uh, the ability to chapter content, and they were licensed through RIAA at one point. I don't know if they are anymore. Interesting. Um, yeah, and they also have an iOS app. I don't know how accessible it is called Spreaker Studio, where you can actually do quite a lot with that app in terms of producing yeah. your podcast if you're looking for a quick solution to just get recording with them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know if it's that, accessible? That's how you did it live anyway. Oh, right. Okay. So you use that. Yeah. Well, see, when I was on Spreaker, and this was about um, eight years ago when I was playing with it, you could actually write to them and they would give you the URL for the Icecast server. So you could actually stream from your PC as well. I know when they gave me the details to the live server and whatnot, I kind of figured that one out, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, so uh, when I went live, they more or less, it, it's, if you're familiar with Live 365, they have this really odd mount point on the end, and it's yeah. basically a unique ID that basically follows to you. So, yeah, that's how I think they do it, and it's just they use a unique ID on the end on the mount point. But, yeah, not to get too technical or off the topic, but, yeah, I've used Blueberry and um, PowerPress myself, and the one thing I like about them is that... Um, it really is simple. Whether you have your uh, whether you have your podcasts on your website or host it elsewhere, all you have to do is just basically uh, paste the link in, and it verifies instantly, and all the details show up there. I I just enjoyed it when I used it for a while there. Very good. Thanks so much for that, Gino. Good to hear you. And we're going to go to one more person who's been waiting for ages. So we'll talk to Legion. Hi there. Hi there, Jonathan. Hi, yeah. Um, I am very much a newbie on the old podcast front um, using Podbean at the moment. And I can understand why it's slated. It's it's garbage. <laughs> right, well. <laughs> like, honestly, um, I, like by podcast newbie, I mean, I literally launched last Monday my podcast. Um, and I, I, I did the lazy thing and I just browsed through Google and I was like, oh, oh Podbean's first. Oh, I'll, I'll give this a go. I'm sure I've seen somebody mention it, see it, you know, say it works, accessibility. And it's it's so it's so cluttered. And I mean, I've only got two episodes up, so I'm not paying for it at the moment, which is grand. But when I've got more and more up, I'm going to want to pay for something. And I'm going to want to get my, you know, worth worthwhile out of it which i don't think i'm going to get out of podbean yes i mean if you are that early in your journey you may want to consider another host if you're not happy with where you are um Pinecast yeah, okay. also has a free option where and the limitation of their free option is that i think after 10 episodes if i'm remembering correctly the old episodes start to scroll off but other than that yes. it's actually quite a generous free option yes the, the Apple one is, but I'm I'm you know wanting to do to do more and more, and and I like the idea of you know archive things so I can 
basically go go back and listen to to how things have changed over time. Um, I, I say this is this is my first. It's my first own podcast where I've edited it, recorded it from the ground up. Um, and I'm going to be honest. This is I'm going to be stroking your ego here. It's thanks to your Amadeus Pro book that I basically have managed it. Oh, fantastic! I'm really pleased to hear that. Yeah. No, it's like my Bible. I recorded that. It must have been like seven or eight years ago now, so I couldn't even remember how to use it myself. I'd have to listen to my own tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you go back and listen to it. That that guy who wrote that really, really knows his stuff. <laughs> it's uh, nice. It's well, nice as well. I wish you all the very best with your journey. And, and the you. nice thing is if you really aren't happy with where you are, um, you're so early in that journey that it's mm. not kind of a major issue to just start again, really, is it? No, not at all, yeah. not at all. And do you know what? I think I might be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, best of luck. So, Thanks for the contribution. Thank you. No, no, thank you. All right. And that's what we'll wrap. Just a reminder of a couple of things. First, if you would like to subscribe to our creator's email list for blind podcasters or blind podcaster wannabes, you'd be very welcome. Uh, we're sharing some great information there, and it's it's a good environment. You can send an email to creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com. That's creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com. And a reminder that next week we will hear from Tim Cummings, and he is going to be talking about the Zoom PodTrack P4, which is an amazing tool. You'll want to join us for that. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll see you next week. 